0: As usual, I asked our guest IDP expert Mike Wolert, to pound the table for someone this offseason Mike, who you pounded the table for?
1: Oh man, you know what? If, if you've noticed my Twitter account, it's kind of turned into a uh, a Willie Gay Stan account, um, yeah, tweeting all of the offseason videos that I can, and uh, that is someone i'm I'm pretty much trying to get everywhere that I can in in league, so um the Chiefs' defense usually can, can be up in the air in terms of their linebacker rotations, but you know what? I, I don't care. Um, I'm hoping he's going to play the snaps, and, and I, uh, that's, that's kind of my, uh, my pounding the table guy, plant the flag type of, type of scenario, so that's who I'm, who I'm going with. Fantastic. I've got at least three dynasty shares of Willie Gay, so I'm
0: excited to hear you say that. Everyone, follow Mike's advice. Go get you some Willie Gay. Now let's get to the show. Welcome everyone to The Most Accurate Podcast. I am your humble host, Brandon Niles. My co-host today is the too-legit-to-quit, Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing, buddy?
2: Man, these openers are just getting better and better like each week, man. <laughs> but I appreciate getting another chance to sit down with you this week and actually talk with my co-drafter. Uh, anybody that knows, uh, I was up at the, uh, the Fantasy Football Expo this past weekend, able to hang out with Mike, another four for four crew member up, at, up in Canton this weekend. We got to draft... In my personal opinion, uh, one of the better teams coming out of the Kings Classic draft. But either way, it was great to see Mike and I get, getting a chance to talk with him today along with you, Brandon.
0: Excellent, excellent. Everybody, don't forget, uh, just as a reminder, to sign up on Underdog Fantasy with promo code 4FOR4. Deposit $10, get $25 plus a pro subscription at 4 for 4. Throwing that out there in case you haven't done it yet. As I mentioned, we're pumped to have Mike Wellert here on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore Weller. Check out all his fantastic stuff at 4 for 4. Mike is the IDP or Individual Defensive Players Ranker at 4 for 4 and is my go-to resource for all things IDP.
1: Mike, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh Brandon and and Chris, yeah. It was awesome drafting with you, meeting you Saturday. Um yeah, I think uh I think our teams uh hopefully everything holds up well. Um and you know, you've got a a, a standing invite to come and draft me with me uh, at the King's Classic any year that you're able to. So had a, a blast meeting everybody, talking with everybody. So uh, yeah, it's it's always a good time uh, at the uh, at the draft, and when everybody came up for the expo, got to meet some other good people. So it's a good time if you can get up to to and do it.
2: I'll be there next year, man, for sure.
1: Excellent. Uh, Mike, I know we're recording this before uh,
0: preseason week two, and uh, this will post a little bit after preseason week two. So uh, I understand, listeners, there might be a couple things that happen, a couple injuries or something over the weekend. We will try to address those, at least on Twitter. Uh, Speaking of injuries, though, and you as a Browns fan, Mike, I know the Browns linebacker situation is just in turmoil. They've got youth. uh, They've got exciting young players. They've got Uh, you know, some unknowns and question marks just want to give you a minute to, uh, to go off about the Browns linebackers and what you think is going to happen, what you want to happen.
1: Yeah. It went from a, uh, a real position where you kind of had a feeling what was going to happen to like, now we have an embarrassment of riches, but then today, um, I noticed, uh, Jacob Phillips, who was one guy I really liked, uh, who I was hoping would have a, a breakout season. He got hurt. Um, Sion Takitaki got hurt. Mac Wilson is dealing with a shoulder injury. And then I also see that, uh, Jeremiah Ousu Koromoa was working with the first team on defense. So, kind of a combination of, of bad news, good news. Um, anybody that has shares of, of, uh, Koromoa right now has to be feeling good. Um, Anthony Walker, I think, has also returned. So, I think he was actually the guy that was going to be calling the play. So, um, as of right now, I think stock up for if I was gonna say stock up uh Koromoa, probably stock up Walker, stock down, probably Phillips until we get a little bit more on his injury. Um, but uh we'll we'll get a little bit more. They were doing a joint practice with uh with the Giants. And for those who have offensive players on the Browns, it sounds like um the, the Browns offense just absolutely torched the Giants defense. Um Jarvis Landry was involved, uh, Baker Mayfield looked really good. Um, so it was a real good showing for the offense. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, in terms of the linebackers, I'd probably say, like I said, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, his stock looks like it's going to be up. I don't even know how you're going to keep him off the field. Um, he just looked like the real deal on, uh, on Saturday against the Jaguars and with, uh, with Grant Delpit, um, safety now re-aggravating his hamstring injury um i could see koromoa now just just put him on the field and just let him fly
0: yeah it's fun he plays with his hair on fire too like just he's all over the place i love it it's like a maximum effort every every single play i love koromoa (laughs) um chris i wanted to kind of ask you i know uh you I don't know of, like, tweets that I've seen from you about IDP leagues. Um, do you play in any IDP leagues? And if, if so or if not, how much interest do you have in them?
2: I have interest. Actually, let me tell you guys a quick horror story about me and IDP leagues. My very first Dynasty League was actually a – when I first got into the industry, this was maybe four-ish years ago, I was asking around because everybody was telling me that Dynasty is the way to go. If you want to get real into fantasy football, you join a dynasty league. And so I was asking around and actually wound up getting connected with uh, Bill Lattin. Uh, if anybody that knows him, he's one of like, the, the OGs around like the fantasy football, like this R bubble and whatnot. But he got me into a league. It was a IDP contract league for that was my very first dynasty league i mean so absolutely just jumping right off into the deep end yeah And i had no idea what i was doing and you could tell by my team too i i think i picked up an orphan i think one of the first trades that i got was i wound up trading for richard sherman and i was like oh yeah like richard sherman i, I recognize that name i'll go ahead <laughs> and take on that contract and like under like zero understanding of how idp works how each of the (laughs) defensive players actually like accrue points my team was awful i felt (laughs) awful like actually looking back on it and just like what was i doing what was i thinking but then as i learned more about the types of players and the positions that you want in order to actually field a good IDP team, I'm looking back on it now just like, oh, my gosh, that must have looked like such a dunce. But that's why I'm glad we've got Mike here so maybe he can help us figure out for folks that aren't as savvy with IDP where we should be focusing our positional allocation so you don't wind up doing the same stuff that I did.
0: Uh, absolutely. I, uh, <laughs> I, I I love IDP leagues. I'm actually kind of a the more the merrier type of thing. If you've got one IDP player, I feel like it – it, it becomes too easy to, to grab one of the linebackers or one of the hard-hitting safeties. Um, if you've got like a full IDP lineup, I, th- I think it adds like a whole other uh, character to the league, and I, I always enjoy that. I've been doing IDP leagues in some fashion uh, over the course of the time. Uh, Mike, what are the most common types of IDP leagues that you see? Um, and then I, I was wondering, I want to ask you about positions too, but let, what's the most common format that
1: you, uh, that you see? Probably the most common is, um, for the most part, you start two defensive linemen, so two general defensive linemen, three linebackers, and two defensive backs, and then you get a then you get a couple of flex spots. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of typical of your it's kind of your vanilla, I, I guess you could say, uh, vanilla IDP. So and then you get to the extreme where you don't have any offensive players and you're playing mm-hmm. all IDP and you're playing your defensive tackles, you're playing your defensive ends, your linebackers, quarterbacks, and safeties, um, which I'm in a few of those as well, and those are a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, typically your, your vanilla is going to be two defensive linemen, three linebackers, two defensive backs, and uh, some flex spots, two to three flex spots. Sure, and generally speaking,
0: the biggest question I get uh, when when I used to be on the Discuss Your Team forum, and uh, which has now moved over to Discord, the biggest IDP questions I would get would be, um, would be why aren't cornerbacks good (laughs) in in, in question. I like that (laughs) because because the quarterback you know like I I talk to my friend Dwayne all the time we're in a dynasty uh league that has a the exact format you just mentioned and uh and he's always like oh Patrick Peterson I should grab him right or like Chris just mentioned Richard Sherman I should grab him right explain uh just real quick why cornerbacks are not the way you want to go in those
1: leagues that don't call them out specific. For yeah, especially like if yeah, if you're in just a general DB league where you're not forced to play corners. Um, typically, there's a just in general, there's a lot of variance on the defensive back position, but corners in general, um, especially the sh- almost, I guess you can call the shutdown corners. Your when it, when they were good, uh, Richard Sherman, Durrell Revis um uh, some of the emerging guys are like Jair Alexander some of those guys don't get nearly as as targeted as much because they kind of take away they're on an island and are taking away that that side of the field so obviously they're 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 going up against the top receivers so they're going to get you know 7 8 targets in a game however they're not allowing receptions and so they're not getting tackles um, they might get a handful of interceptions and some defended passes, but their floors are are typically a little bit lower because they are not allowing, they're not getting those those tackle numbers. So, um, last year I know the big corner was um was Marlon Humphrey in a lot of the leagues. So, you know, he ended up with um, I think just over eighty tackles. I think he had, yeah finished with like eighty seven tackles. Uh, so he but he didn't allow many interceptions. He was targeted heavily. Um. But he got uh, he had a solid tackle floor. So those are the types of guys you you want to see. You almost want to see like slot corners or the mm-hmm. second corner outside because the slot corners are, are seemingly getting peppered a little bit more targets where interceptions may not come, but they're going to you know be in position to make for the most part pretty quick tackles. So those are the kind of the guys that you're that you're targeting. But you for the most part you don't want to target. The, the like the the shutdown corners like Jalen Ramsey for instance also um, yeah like I said he might get targeted but he, he they're not gonna allow that many receptions to where the tackles are going to be there so uh and the, like I said there's so, just so much variance with this, especially that cornerback position the defensive back position um, you could almost just hit the wire every week and and pick up a guy that has a, a pretty good matchup Mm-hmm. And that, and like Mike is saying, that you're looking at
0: the same thing with the safeties, right? You want the hard-hitting box safeties. You don't want the the free the Ed Reeds, the free safeties who go back there. Earl Thomas hang out in coverage and uh, you know break up passes. That's not what you're looking for for that. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, Mike. Uh, well, I've let seen, me let me inter- oh, let
1: me interject real quick. Oh, I think absolutely. it really all kind of depends on the scoring format. So. Yeah, it, it, typically if you're you're playing in a score map scoring format that is is very tackle friendly, where you're getting you know maybe two points per solo, one point per assist, maybe two to three points per interception. Yes, you you want the guys that are playing up on the line of scrimmage, whether it's the boxer in the slot or up on the edge. If you're playing in a for, in a format that devalues tackles, or maybe you're only getting a point for a solo, um, and that's really it, but you're getting maybe four to five points for an interception, maybe three to four points for a defended pass. Then yes, the, the the deeper safeties become a little bit more valuable. Could you do have the upside for some of those big splash plays, whether it's an interception or uh, maybe it's a, it's a deep pass and you know maybe they're going to force a fumble, something like that. So yeah, it's it's really on those guys. It's going to be really scoring scoring. Uh, your your scoring is going to depend on those guys.
0: That's an excellent distinction. Thank you for correcting me on that. Always look at your scoring format, just like in any fantasy league. Uh, I wanted to ask you real quick before we play a little game. Uh, I. I've been seeing some of the, the leagues on sleeper and MFL and some Mm -hmm. of the other leagues out there that really have a robust IDP aspect to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Introducing the true position aspect where, uh, where you'll get like, instead of an outside linebacker who like TJ Watt, who's considered a pass rusher, Mm -hmm. instead of him getting a a linebacker designation, he'll get a defensive line designation or both. Um, What do you think of that as a dynamic and how is that going to change the landscape of IDP?
1: I'm I'm honestly all forward because you're you're making guys that like T.J. Watt more relevant because in in your standard league where you're like I said where you're getting two points for a tackle and maybe three or four points for a sack, T.J. Watt's tackle floor is pretty low, um, and he's very mm-hmm. big play dependent. So yeah. in a in a league like that, you know he might be the 30th to 40th to 50th scoring linebacker, and he's just he may not be draft. I mean, he may not be drafted or he may be like the fourth or fifth linebacker drafted. And that just doesn't seem right for the type of production he has. So if you can label him as an edge, um, which I know ESPN has edge uh, sleeper does have the dual designations. And I think uh, MFL is, is also doing the same thing. Um And I think they might even be going to a true, more of a potentially going to that true position, maybe even next mm-hmm. year. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Um, I want as many guys to be relevant as, as possible, especially the stars. And let's face it, TJ Watt's a star. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm all for it. Um, I think it, 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 it increases the, the player pool a little bit. It helps the ranking pool a little bit uh, because, you know, I'll always get questions. Well, TJ Watt, you have, why do you have him ranked low? Um, you know, he, he scored really high and like, well, that's great. If he scores high for you, then yeah, I'm you, I would put him in this tier, this, ca- this tier of ranking based on your scoring. So, um, again, it again comes down to scoring how your, how your platform sets the players up, um. I'm always able to to kinda of go on the fly and, and answer those questions. So like, you know, TJ Watt, if you're in that true position where he's a defensive lineman, he's absolutely within a top ten. He's almost considered a, a tier one uh edge player. So yeah, just I'm I'm all for it. it. It it helps. And in terms of scoring and we're going back to scoring, um, do what you want. I'm I'm a fan of just, Hey, we're, we're here to have fun. We're here. We're playing for fun, test out different scoring systems, set set up different scoring settings. Um, If you want your IDPs to compete or to have kind of a balance to your offensive players, set it like that. But, um, but yeah, like I said, the the true position I think is really going to help increase the player pool. And with scoring, just test some things and, and have fun. Yeah, my horror story is when I had
0: Khalil Mack and had a lot of draft capital invested to him and he went to the Bears and got turned yeah. into a linebacker that became worthless. I was very upset. I was very upset.
1: <laughs> we have all seen though, yeah, we we have a lot of those uh those those uh, to use a poker term bad beat when you think you have a guy at a defensive end and either the scheme changes or they go to a team and they go to a linebacker and they're like, Okay, great, I guess I can't use this guy anymore. Fantastic. <laughs>
0: Folks, 4 for 4 is partnered with Underdog Fantasy, and I, for one, am taking full advantage. I'll be in dozens of leagues by the time the season begins, and I love the best ball format. I can draft a team and then enjoy zero maintenance all season long. No setting lineups, no waivers, no problem. You automatically get maximum points out of your team each week. Right now we have a screaming good deal. If you deposit $10 at Underdog Fantasy and use the promo code 444, that's 4 for 4, that's 4FOR4. You get $25 from Underdog. That's the price of admission to Best Ball Media 2, with $3.5 million in total prizes. And you get a pro subscription to 4 for 4. This is one of the best promos I've seen in my 14 years with 4 for 4. So take advantage. Go sign up today. All right, I want to play a little, uh, a little game, little icebreaker game before we get. uh, I want to get into like some position breakdowns, talk a little bit about your rankings and things of that sort. But uh, I I want to play a little game called Dot or Not, Um, and I I like this because uh, you talked about how uh, you're looking for, uh, you know, at a linebacker, right? And uh, talking about the, the the Browns, you were talking about Anthony Walker as the play caller. Mm. Uh, it's important to know who the who the um, who the play caller is. So mm. first, tell us why this game is called Dot or Not, and uh, you know specifically Dot. And then I want to ask you uh, about a
1: few of those linebackers out there to see if you think they're going to wear the dot. So yeah, the the dot at the very you know is is the green dot that's on the back of the helmet. The quarterback has it because he's obviously the play caller for the offense. So every you know the quarterback has it, but the the dot, when I mentioned, you know, Jacob Phillips is wearing the dot or uh, Anthony Walker is wearing the dot, that just means that they are receiving, they're wearing the communication helmet that they are able to communicate with the defensive coordinator and they, are the, and they are relaying the plays to the defense. So they are the quarterback of Why that's important is the person typically who is wearing the dot, making the plays, he's not leaving the field so he is the every down linebacker, um, and when you don't leave the field, you have a chance for fantasy points and tackles and all that good stuff, so that is that is what I mean when I say X player is wearing the dot.
2: Okay, so I think that that makes some sense, and so I guess the first player we'll start off with is my Bengals, mm-hmm. and even though I'm kind of upset that after the first preseason game, Joe Asai is already injured, but we'll see how that winds up working out. But we're focused on the backers at this point. So, dot or not, second-year backer, uh, Logan Wilson. Like, what, what are we thinking there? Logan
1: Wilson is uh, – he's the dot. Um Last year it was Von Bell, but so far, uh, but actually the I, I read a pretty interesting article. Her name is Laurel Failer, and she's a, a writer for one of the, the Cincinnati papers. She actually wrote a really good article on Logan Wilson and how actually the the locker room actually bestowed that leader position that leadership position and the dot upon him because he grasped the defense already and he's got those leadership qualities so Logan Wilson is actually going to be wearing the uh the dot and calling the plays this year
0: that's exciting because I know we'd had we'd heard like some Jermaine Pratt rumors a year ago and I know he kind of fell out of it so that's exciting to see him take a step in that second year Uh, let's talk about a rookie uh Washington football team it seems like they've been looking for somebody to be healthy in that position for a while now. Can Jam and Davis immediately
1: take that role and wear the dot dot or not. boy, if I mean, if I'm saying it right now, probably not. Um, it looked like Cole Holcomb was wearing it. Um, so things could change with week two, so that'll be that'll actually be a situation I look at pretty heavily or pretty closely, uh, I should say this week to see uh, which player for the football team wears it, but it was Cole Holcomb this week. Um, or the you know in that first week of the preseason, so as of right now, if to putting my feet to the fire, I would say Jem and Davis is not
2: staying in the AFC North, or at least flipping back to the AFC North. Uh, over to Pittsburgh, Joe Schobert. Uh, we're seeing some turnover with the defense over there in Pittsburgh. Dot or not for Joe Schobert? Joe Schobert is the dot. Um,
1: he is. Yeah, he's he's already been uh anointed the play caller so joe schobert will be wearing the dot and actually that'll allow devin bush to do a little bit more i think um so he'll be he'll be probably put in position to make some plays his coverage was um is eh so uh if there, and yes that is a technical term eh um (laughs) so it would not surprise me to see bush off the field in some, some packages, but I still think Devin Bush should be on the field for anywhere between 80 to 85% of the snaps, which still continues to make him useful. But he'll have some of the... Uh, he'll not only have tackle upside, but he'll also be able to... Uh, he'll also have some big play upside when it comes to sacks. Because I think... Because uh, when you look at last year, uh, Miles Jack actually had a, a his a breakout season because of Joe Schobert and him calling the plays. Because Miles Jack was calling the plays last year. and uh, or, or the year before Schobert got in. And Schobert took over that responsibility. He was actually able to put Mm -hmm. Miles Jack kind of in position, got him aligned. um, And Jack actually uh, enjoyed a pretty good, uh, enjoyed a career year in tackles and was uh, put in a pretty solid IDP season. So, but yeah, Schobert is the dot.
0: That leads me right to my next question. Cause you know, I love that the Jaguars walked into this situation and said, you know, what worked really well is taking the dot off miles, Jack adding Joe Schobert Mm -hmm. and letting Mm -hmm. him do what he does best. And then they said, that worked phenomenal, so let's get rid of Joe Schober. It doesn't make any sense yep. <laughs> to me. So is Miles Jack going to go back to wearing the dot, or is anyone else of the, uh, the, the many players vying for playing time at linebacker in Jacksonville going to do it?
1: So Jack is not uh, the dot. It is, uh, from what I saw in that week one game against Cleveland, Damian Wilson wore it. So as of right now, it does look like Damian Wilson is going to be calling the plays for the Jaguars.
2: So and then the final uh, the final player that we're going to talk about is from a unit that I don't know if too many folks are paying much attention to Uh, Las Vegas for as much attention that we think they might get uh, based off of the city that they play in. Uh, We don't care too much about their defensive (laughs) unit, to be quite honest. But Corey Littleton, uh, are we uh, are you thinking that he's going to wind up wearing the dot this year or not?
1: I don't think so. I think as long as Nicholas Morrow is healthy, that is the guy that I'm thinking is going to be wearing the dot. Um, John Gruden really likes him. Uh, Morrow played really well last year um, and also called the plays uh, toward the end of the last season. So um, he got hurt, dinged up a little bit today, um, but it sounded like whatever happened, he was able to walk off on his own uh, volition. So hopefully everything's okay. Uh, But I would probably say Nicholas Morrow um, in this situation is going to wear the dot.
0: Okay, excellent. Now I could do this for a while, but I do want to cover in some uh, positional <laughs> breakdowns and all that. Uh, this, oh no, trust me, I could too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Mike, I know you're an IDP guy, and that's why you're here. But I wanted to know also: uh, Have you played any underdog best ball leagues? But since I've got you on, just
1: wondering uh, if you've been in the best ball uh, trenches at all. I, I, you know what, I haven't. They look like a lot of fun, and I know they're very similar to to what to MFL and everything. But I have actually. I haven't had a chance to get in any of those leagues. Well, then
0: it's a good time for you to go deposit ten dollars, use the promo code four for four, get twenty five dollars yep. uh, entry into Best Ball Mania. That's the one million and one dollar grand prize, uh, and a pro subscription to four for four, which I'm sure you need. I'm sure you need that, Mike. <laughs> oh, I need it. Oh uh, yeah, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll triple up my
0: subscription. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, not to get to veer too far from IDP, but I, I wanted to kind of wonder underdog timers just got shorter, went down mm-hmm. to four hours on the slow uh, drafts, which I know you and I both do a lot of slow drafts. I'm probably 90% to 10% slow to fast. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to know as the timers get shorter, as the season gets closer, what's your approach to these underdog best ball leagues that you're uh, that I know you're still joining on
2: a regular basis? Uh, The first thing that I would say for anybody that's topping in the fast drafts at this point, pay attention to roster construction. A lot of people are, let's say, I don't want to say overreacting or underreacting. I would just say that they're, let's just say they're reacting to all of the micro news that we're getting out of preseason so that we've seen at least some decent swings in ADP. I would say that if you're walking in with some of your priors, like before the preseason hit. Try and stick to those as much as you can, but just try and adhere to the basic like roster constructions that most folks have been talking about throughout the entire offseason. Not trying to get too heavy into quarterbacks, trying to stick to four to five running backs, maybe six if you've gone the full zero RB route, not investing too much into the tight end position, get, tra- grabbing as many wide receivers as you can trying to uh, at least put in like maybe a few stacks like here and there as well and you should come out with a competitive roster I think one of the things that I've noticed doing some of these fast drafts is that folks are trying to grab as many of the players that they like the players that they've seen or heard of that they want to get as much of as possible uh, and they just wind up either not drafting enough uh, not drafting up quarterbacks or they wind up grabbing let's say like zach wilson or sam darnold or like any of those quarterbacks that might be fine but it's just you're kind of leaving yourself open to quite a bit of risk and it makes it harder for you to compete i would say for most of the fast drafts i've done over the last week week and a half at least two teams are completely doa like by the time the draft is over so if you go in there just with trying to understand the the basics and you adhere to some of those basic principles you should come out with a competitive roster
0: that's fantastic advice, absolutely. Uh, I want to do like a little mini segment within the segment within the segment within the segment. I like to get meta. That's what I like to do. <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> this is called overexposure because I'm in like 40 leagues, I think, which is uh, low for the industry. <laughs> and and I know I already have way too much Jared Cook. I looked and I didn't realize how often Jared Cook is my tight end too. But if he gets hurt, I'm going to be very much in trouble as far as bye weeks on my tight end one so i'm just wondering overexposure. anyone you've got just way too much of chris
2: i saw the question coming and so i went ahead and pulled up my uh exposures over on underdog and as of right now my highest owned player is tyler boyd Uh, he's my highest owned like across all positions he's my highest owned player and i honestly have no problem with that like call me a homer all you want uh but even at the start of the offseason, it never made, like, his ADP, like, never qu- quite made a, a ton of sense to me. I get the Jamar Chase hype. I really like Tyler, uh, like, a T. Higgins as a second-year breakout. But Tyler Boyd going multiple rounds later than both of those wide receivers never made a ton of sense to me. And we've already heard... As Joe Burrow has gotten his legs back underneath him, both like, you know, physically and uh you know uh, and like mentally, we're starting to hear like more positive news out of Bengals Camp. Boyd has been a large part of and he's going to continue to be a large part of that offense given his role within the offense at the as the slot receiver. So I'm have no issue with my like it's I my you might call it overexposure, but I think he's one of the receivers that you should be targeting on a regular basis in in your uh best ball drafts.
1: Phenomenal value.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: Chris, quick question when it comes to these um underdog uh best ball leagues. So in terms of the, the scoring and I guess the the format of the, the and, and lineup construction, I'm someone who in, in most drafts I always like to come away with uh, a few running backs, you know, at least maybe two to three um within those first maybe three or four, maybe five rounds. If I were to like go running back heavy, is that what you like would I be considered DOA, as you say, or like, it, as long as I can get, you know, two to three of those workhorse backs. um, And then, you know, a couple of uh, solid receivers like so what what do you suggest? So like, is that kind of a good approach?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and actually, this year you can really wind up depending on the players that you would want to invest in. Uh, you can really come out with a a really, um, I guess, strong opening lineup depending on like where your where your roster spot is at. So let's say if you wanted to do two early running backs and you're drafting out, of, let's say like the three position. Mm-hmm. So you could you can wind up with somebody like Alvin Kamara as your third overall pick, and then you could come back and the second round with let's say somebody like um, let's say Clyde Edwards Hilaire Mm -hmm. or something along those lines and that's a fairly strong start and then you can just hammer wide receivers after that but now also with the way ADP is shaken out and wide receivers have now been pushed forward you could even let's say if you started off in the later parts of the first round you could start off with a Stefan Diggs or a Calvin Ridley and have a strong wide receiver to start And then now in the third round, you can possibly get a DeAndre Swift if you're into him. A Miles Sanders, if you if you're into him, a Chris Carson, you can get into him. But any of those what we would consider to be workhorse backs, or at least running backs that should have you know the majority of the rushing duties, like on their particular team, and also and are also involved in the passing game. I mean, Daryl Henderson also come to mind. David Montgomery also comes to mind. So there are also running backs that kind of fit that archetype mm-hmm. that are still available in the third, fourth, fifth round. So either way you want to either either way you want to split it. You could come. You can come away in the first five rounds to at least two or three like workhorse running backs, and that's not bad. It's just the folks that continue to add running backs afterwards. So even if you yeah. have a strong running back start, if you're still adding, let's say Zach Moss or Gus Edwards or James White or. AJ Dillon, you know, in the seventh through 12 rounds, you've already oversaturated your roster with running backs, and you're really now sacrificing the wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback position by doing so. But if you just start off with some of those guys, those key players in the in the early rounds, and then go wide receiver afterwards, you're still strong afterward after that.
1: So, how many running backs do would you suggest your f I mean, I know everything could change, and I know there's different you know ways to to build a roster, but mm-hmm. just in general, like. How many running backs should you come, since you can't, since it's best ball and you're not making roster moves, you're basically, we're going, you know, you're drafting this roster and then that's, that's it. You're, you're done for the season. How many backs is it, is it, um, suggested maybe you go with, like, do you maybe then get like a, a handcuff just in case, or like how many backs do you suggest to, to finish off your roster with?
2: uh uh, i know with all things it depends but let's say in the build that i mentioned earlier where you start off with two running backs let's say your first two picks are running backs so you do Mm -hmm. the alvin kamara ceh like start i would go on like maximum let's say four to five running backs and then Mm -hmm. if you can try this is a personal preference of mine if you can try and offset those bye weeks so that you also don't have like an overlap so let's say on multiple weeks let's say like week 7 that's going to be like the dead zone like for a lot of teams because mm-hmm. so many like high priority teams are on bye that that particular week like Pittsburgh Dallas like so on and so forth they've got week 7 byes, Minnesota if I'm not mistaken as well so it's like if you're able to kind of mitigate some of that risk of having multiple backs out in the same week, then you could do four running backs like in total, possibly five, I would say, but that's about the most that I would do if you start off early. And the same thing, even if you waited until like the third, fourth, fifth round, grab like a Carson, grabbed a Swift, or even mm-hmm. a Daryl Henderson, I would still probably cut it off at five. Now, if you go yeah. the true zero RB route and you're waiting until let's say like round eight and like your very first running back is say like, I don't know, Damien Harris, Raheem Mostert, A.J. Dillon, then yeah, I would probably go six in total because then mm-hmm. you really are trying to I uh, don't just play the game of I'm just going to pick two running backs. I know I've basically won my wide receiver and flex spots because my wide receivers are so strong. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you're, you really are trying to, I guess catch fire, like catch lightning in a bottle and get one of those running backs that can wind up actually vaulting into the RB2 discussion. So like a Damian Williams that's going late or a Jarek McKinnon that's going late, Joshua Kelly, Joshua, like uh, Justin Jackson, any of those guys that are going in like the, the much, much later rounds. But it's it, there, that's where it kind of just depends on how much draft capital you've allocated to the running back position that will determine how many you're going to take in total.
1: Nice. So then if you, if you do that, kind of that RB early, um, Get your maybe five, four to six running backs, and then just hammer wide receiver and tight end, um, and then usually don't pl- Don't you don't want to get more than two quarterbacks? Correct.
2: Yeah. The only time I would get more than two quarterbacks would be, let's say, if I wanted to try and grab any of the late round quarterbacks that also have like that present some upside. So let's say like Trevor Lawrence, who's going like fairly late, presents some upside. But we don't know. Sam Darnold also has some like latent upside as well, just given their schedule and of course the guys that he's passing to. So it's like if I'm going to go with those guys. I would probably take a third quarterback that would at least provide like some some weekly stability at the position. So if I wanted to throw in like a Ben Roethlisberger or a Kirk Cousins or somebody like that there, I would probably add a third a third quarterback. But if I wind up dabbling in any of the early round quarterbacks, let's say from Patrick Mahomes, probably all the way down to Matthew Stafford. So let's say quarterback 12, quarterback 13 there. I'm typically just going to quarterbacks.
1: Yep. Awesome. Excellent stuff, Chris. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. Thank you. No, no problem. And, and uh, but
0: keep in mind, if you're playing like an isolated league, underdog, cool, um, they've got the opportunity. You can play like a $3, you know, league, It's tw- you know, a $5 league, $10 league. You can play them um, isolated in like self-contained leagues with one prize. Uh, that, a little more balanced roster construction is more acceptable. In the tournaments, basically the premise is assume your first six picks are going to hit and hit big. Because if they don't, you're probably already behind. So let's shift back to IDP because that's why we got Mike here. And, uh, and I want to do that. Uh, Mike, main segment, positional breakdowns. I want to start with the defensive line. And I want to ask you your overall approach and when to take the top guys. So you look at a draft and uh, IDP usually is not on its own. Usually it's, it's combined with, uh, with offense. Offensive guys still go early. So one of the questions I always get is, when do I take? Those top players. Mm-hmm. When do I take the top guys? So, uh, you know, from a defensive line
1: perspective, when are you first looking at grabbing one? So again, sc- I think scoring system will probably dictate what you do. So if your if your scoring system lies heavily with with big plays, um, you might be looking at taking a defensive lineman first with your first IDP. Um, so for me, I generally will tackle um, that position second. So, and I will probably I'll probably look to the the double digit rounds just because guys like Miles Garrett who obviously is an absolute beast. They're going to go a little bit earlier than than really I I generally want to take uh you know a, a defensive player. So for example, one of the drafts I'm in right now, Miles Garrett went in the 5th round. And as good as Garrett is, um, I'm not passing on a a, a a good position player in the fifth uh for for an IDP. So for example, in the fifth round, you know, you got guys like um DJ Moore going, Kyler Murray, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, uh Cooper Cup that were still available. I took I took a chance on Travis Etienne. Um, I think he ended up being my second or third, uh, maybe my second running back, but you still have a lot of really good position players available to you. I honestly, I did actually in this draft, now that I say it, I did go a little bit different. I took my first IDP in the fourth, uh, just to kind of test around, but, Ooh. um, typically I will wait until around the eighth round, uh, to really take my, my first IDP in that in, in in one of these, uh, I did a sports edge, uh, which was formerly Roto world. Um, my first IDP was eighth round and I took Dion Jones, uh, linebacker from, from Atlanta. But my first defensive lineman was Montez sweat from Washington, who, um, had a, a really good breakout year last year. Um, and his, you know, his stock is on the rise. He's playing on one of the, Probably one of the top defensive lines, and Chase Young is typically going anywhere between three to four rounds before Montez Sweat. So I like the discount that I'm getting on someone with a pretty similar. You could almost say he's got a similar ceiling and a pretty good floor. So um, though I'm I'm that's kind of where I'm looking at defensive line. I want to get at least one guy that's gonna get or that is projected for double digit sacks. I want one of those guys. Um, so that's. Kind of where I see my where I want to see myself leaving with the defensive line position. Then I'll kind of build my linebacker group and then I'll kind of go after go over that that second defensive end and I'll fill in two or three with some potential uh, breakout high upside guys Um, and even some guys that are maybe even coming back from injury that are getting overlooked. So in a defensive line league where you don't have an
0: individual defensive tackle slot, mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. you looking at defensive tackles at all? You really only mentioned ends.
1: Yeah. It, it really all defensive depends on the defensive tackle. There's, there's a couple of guys, um, that I would consider. Um, I think Jonathan Allen, um, from Washington, Jeffrey Simmons and Kenny Clark. Um, those are some pretty high upside guys that you could take, um, within a DL type league that have some upside to be kind of those top 25 top 30 guys. But in general, I'm kind of looking at uh, defensive ends for the most part in those general leagues. What about uh, everyone's favorite
0: defensive player of the year? Aaron Donald.
1: He's going just way too. Yeah. He's one of those guys. He's going, you know, along with he's being drafted among, you know, Chase Young sure. and Miles Garrett. So I love Aaron Donald. He'll never, he'll probably never be on one of my teams just because I'm not spending an early <laughs> wrong pick. I think he, I think he's already peaked, um, mm-hmm. because he's basically just getting triple teamed. They're basically the opposing offenses are just allowing every anybody else to, uh, to beat them. Um, and they're just, basically throwing everything they can at Aaron Donald and remarkably he's still beating triple teams so mm-hmm. he's he's uh a, a, just a, a beast as well but yeah he's he's going among those top five at the defensive line position.
0: So we talked about uh, the, the separate defensive end, defensive tackle leagues, the true position stuff. Uh, just to, to echo, watch those position designators. Sometimes they change year to year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyone changing right now, either from end to tackle or tackle to end, uh, that you think maybe should be on fantasy radars or off radars based on the change?
1: The, the big change is uh, Chris Jones of the Chiefs. He's actually moving from defensive tackle to defensive end so he's actually been mm-hmm. playing a little bit more on the edge um and he's actually a really good player anyway um but yeah his his move he has made the move from uh from defensive tackle to defensive end so um definitely now someone you you can target um in, in most formats okay um, so
0: go after the defensive ends. The sacks are what to look for on the defensive line, uh, in those defensive tackle required leagues. Cause I don't want to leave, uh, those listeners out of this discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. anyone you're targeting outside of obviously Aaron Donald, who's, who's going way too early, but you mentioned Jeffrey Simmons. You mentioned Kenny yep. Clark. You mentioned Jonathan Allen, anyone mm-hmm. else kind of deeper those, like in that, uh, potential breakout, high upside guy category you talked about earlier, any defensive tackles on your radar?
1: Yeah. Dexter Lawrence of the giants. Uh, Neville Gallimore of the, of the Cowboys and Puna Ford of the Seahawks. Uh, Duffy, guys that, uh, if I'm in defensive tackle required leagues, those are guys that I'm targeting.
2: So we were talking earlier about, I mean, with the dot or not like game that we were talking about earlier, I mean, most of that focus is on linebackers or just like backers in general. I mean, is that, should that be our focus when it comes to IDP? Cause I do feel like that seems to be the center of at least most of the production when it comes to at least the defensive unit. So should should that be our focus when we are like, when you're approaching roster building in IDP leagues?
1: That's where I'm focusing. I I still focus on the linebacker position that's typically the first position I attack. Um and and I used to, you, you, it's funny you you know you have all these linebackers and yet yeah, it's a deep position. However, when you really look at it, uh they're kind of like the running back position. You've got your guys that'll play, you know, you got your hundred, you know, your three down guys and then, but you got your guys that are only maybe on the field for, you know, maybe two of those snaps or they don't get the, 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 you know, the sub package snaps. So they're not, so when, when a defensive back, extra defensive back comes on and a linebackers coming off, so there's really only. I I mean, when you really break it down 36 to maybe 40 linebackers that are going to play anywhere between eight, you know, play 80% or more of the snaps. So for me, yes, the linebackers are the running backs of the IDP. You want the three down guys. Um, and like I said, most defensive defenses are deploying about two linebackers on a on a given on a given package. Like I said, in some cases they're running dime packages where they're running one linebacker. So those three guys, those three down guys, are dwindling. So I want to have at least three linebackers that I could just plug in. I know they're going to play eighty-five or percent or more of the snaps that are going to get well over hundred tackles. So um, those are those are what I'm trying to to construct my roster my my rosters with essentially where I know I could plug in three guys and I don't really have to worry about it. So, um, and again I'm generally waiting till about the eighth round. Um, in one of the leagues that, like I said, I, I took an IDP first in the fourth round. Um, I took Roquan Smith. So, you know, for me, that provides a uh, a pretty safe uh, floor. Career high in tackles last year. He's calling the plays, so I know he's not leaving the field. Um, and then I followed up Roquan Smith with Deion Jones. Again, similar similar uh, similar role calling the plays, not leaving the field Went a little bit, um, you know, I'm when a little bit more for a high upside guy, I took Willie Gay as my third linebacker, just because I think he's going to be the guy in KC who's not going to come off the field. Uh, when you see him play, he's, he's the best line. I, in my opinion, I, you know, my not, you know, non-football playing and just with my eye, he seems to be the best linebacker on the field when he plays. So, um, yeah. Uh, targeting those high upside guys, those guys for breakout. So yeah, try to come away with three guys that, you know, are going to play 85% of the snaps or more. Um, Because like I said, those, when you look at it, the linebacker position, like the running back position, when it's like you're in the fourth or fifth round, sixth, seventh round, or you're trying to, now you're trying to fill out your linebacker position. You're like, Oh God, this is not what I had in mind.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I can, I can understand that. Yeah, for sure. And so, you already mentioned a couple of guys there like Roquan Smith like a lot like along the top targets who are the other top targets that you would recommend to IDP folks like as they're starting to stack up their rosters
1: well yeah i mean you've got you know you typically you'll, you should be able to have your guys like Roquan Smith uh Blake Martinez um, a guy, I have a feeling that I'm going to be really light on, and I'm not happy about it. Is Patrick Queen out of Baltimore? Um, he's been making some real big strides um, over camp, and and you know, in the first preseason game, um, I know Patrick Queen is going to be a guy that I am I'm going to be light on, and I'm I'm going to uh, definitely definitely regret it. Um, is that but, just based on ADP? It's just based in general. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> oh, <gotcha. laughs> That's just that's just in, in, in general, and sure. it has nothing to do with ADP because he's he's going at uh, at a, at uh, where he's being drafted. It's more than reasonable. Um, there's you know some guys I might, I might like a little bit more. Like I said, I went with Deion Jones um, in one league, and he you know Queen went a few picks after. So, but don't don't overlook those uh, you know those old guy values. Levante David, Bobby Wagner, they're still. You know they're they're kind of like those now becoming almost those uh, those Larry Fitzgeralds, if you will, um, where they provide still a, a very very uh, almost a, a, an elite floor. Um, and then again, look at the injury the guys that are coming back from injury that are potentially going into a full time role. One guy in particular, he hasn't he's only played maybe a handful of snaps over the first, last few seasons. and That's C.J. Mosley of the Jets. Um, he opted out last year and he got hurt. I think one or a couple of games into his first season with the Jets. So, and he's a guy that has a good track record of production. So, those are and then of course I mentioned Willie Gay at the beginning. Uh he's I'm trying to target him where I can almost everywhere. And uh but yeah, it's just look at the high tackle guys and the guys that are going to be playing 80%, 85% or more uh of the snaps. Um I know there's a lot of resources available right now. Um I know Pro Football Reference has snap count, so Um some of the some of that data is is out there. Um you can also reference my three down linebacker article. I update that weekly with guys that are playing uh that are the three down guys, the guys that are playing, uh that are the guys that are calling the plays, providing a little bit more insights as to, you know, context around it. So definitely check out my three down uh linebacker article. I I update that um uh pretty frequently as news, especially with everything coming out with training camp. So Uh, trying to give you who I I think is going to call the play. is going to be the three down guys that are going to help your leagues.
2: For sure. And so – As from a roster construction or, I guess, Mm -hmm. a a drafting perspective, is there, I know at least for redraft, and at least when we're focusing on the offensive side of things, we tend to invest in the teams that we know to be good from an offensive standpoint. You know, like the Chiefs and like the Rams and like even the Dallas Cowboys, like we know, like good offensive situations. Mm -hmm. Now, does that also translate to IDP from the defensive side? Because if we look at a team like Dallas, you've got Jalen Smith there, the added Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are teams like that and like even like the Dallas situation in general, is that a situation that you w- still want to invest in? Or do you typically, you know, are you avoiding those guys and do you avoid just like bad defensive units in general, like when drafting on from an IDP standpoint?
1: Honestly, that's, that's something I don't really that. Didn't that? I don't think there's really any correlation between good offenses and bad defenses, and bad defenses and good offenses, or vice versa, good defenses and bad offense. There's really no correlation because there, there seems to be, you know, six. There'll be some some outliers where a defense will probably play only fifty snaps in a game, and that's uh, very rare. But typically, a lot of the defenses are playing. Sixty to sixty-five snaps a game, sometimes seventy. Then obviously you have overtime, but again those are kind of outliers. I normally don't. I don't look at a defense as I'm like, oh, you know what? This is a you know the Cowboys are, are a good offense, or you know this is a bad offense. Uh, I don't really look at that. I'm just targeting the guys who I think are going to be on the field the most, and that's where I target. And then, for from a linebacker standpoint, I want to leave probably my draft with at least. Anywhere between five to six linebackers total. Uh, one one is all said and done.
0: So let's shift to uh, defensive backs a little bit. Uh, I we're running a little up on time, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Mike. But uh, defensive backs, I always kind of feel like uh, are the most replaceable of the IDP, mm-hmm. and and also the least intuitive because some of my favorite defensive backs usually aren't the best fantasy guys and uh often i like i know if i have a corner league i'll just stream corner uh, because you never know who's good and who's bad uh but what's your overall approach to the defensive back position um in that that typical format that you're looking at with a
1: a db slot and not a corner and safety separate yeah for for db that's usually the last position i'm going to target i'll i'll try to get Anywhere, but I'll try to t- get my f- three to four linebackers. I'll try to get s- two sturdy defensive ends, really, or defensive linemen before I really look at the defensive back. Um, so I usually just wait on the position because there's just so much turnover on a year-to-year basis. I don't think there. I think there's only been maybe one season where um, a, a defensive back has really been consistently in the def- in the in the top five, um, and it's been Buddha Baker and Jordan Poyer. But there's so much different. There's so much turnover at the top that, you know, on a given week, someone's going to emerge. So I usually will just wait on the defensive back. Um, As much as I love Derwin James... He's usually gone when I'm re- usually ready to uh, to consider him, which is, again, right around that ninth, 10th round. For safeties, I am usually want them on the line of scrimmage. I want them in the box, playing the slot, wherever. I want them on the line of scrimmage where they have the potential to get tackles. As I mentioned before, scoring system can dictate um, some of those free safeties that um, are, are a little bit more valuable. But um, I consistently see guys like Minka Fitzpatrick being drafted among the top 10 safeties. D- don't do that. yes he's a really good safety he's 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 a really good player i'm not saying that because i hate pittsburgh because i do but i need to separate that i need to separate my bias mika fitzpatrick is a really good football player he should not be drafted among the top 10 safeties because he doesn't provide those that 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 high tackle floor and he's big play dependent so again just it's on your on it's Depends on your scoring system, but again, just make sure that you're not drafting your deep guys if you're in a, in a tackle-heavy league. So, um, in terms of guys that I like or who I'm targeting, um, I really like Xavier McKinney from the Giants. Um, I'm targeting Jonathan Abram of the of the Raiders. Um, I really like Kyle Duggar of the Patriots. Um, Kari Willis of the of the Colts. He's playing up uh, near the. I think he's going to be playing up near the line of scrimmage. So. You can, you know, Xavier McKinney was was injured most of the season, so he's one of those guys where, you know, if if your league mates tend to look at scoring from previous year, he's probably not going to be up there. So you can take advantage of, uh, you know, of, of some scoring or for some players that aren't uh, that didn't play, take advantage. But one guy I, I really like who also doesn't get uh, a lot of respect and is usually drafted outside of that top ten um, is Von Bell of the Bengals. Mm. Really high tackle floor plays up near the line of scrimmage. Also has some upside for for uh, for some big plays because he'll he he has very active hands. Um, so yeah, if you miss out on Derwin James or Buda Baker or Jeremy Chin, don't worry because uh, potential top ten def- or top ten defensive backs are are more than available. You know in those later rounds
0: is Jordan Poyer ever going to get the respect he deserves in IDB circles? I feel like he goes
1: never as like the DB 15 in every draft I'm in. And he's always good. (laughs) Always good. He it's like, he always, he was actually, I will say this in, in um, the league I I'm in, he was actually the first DB taken this year.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: So, but yes, he's, he's, Oh yeah. He's always been drafted. Well, you know, outside of that top 10, it's like, he's going to get you a hundred tackles and he's going to (laughs) probably pop in five or six picks. (laughs) <laughs> and along with seven or eight defended passes, and he'll force a few fumbles. Yeah, definitely is is the Rodney Dangerfield of uh, of the defensive back position. <laughs> Gets no respect at all.
0: I want to ask you real quick. Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, cornerbacks enter the league the last couple of years that that are going to play that nickel and play safety and play kind of all over. I'm talking like like Chavon Diggs in Dallas. Uh, it looks like Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, might play that type of role. Uh, for the Mm -hmm. Chargers. Um, Are are those guys, is that going to be kind of a game changer in IDP if that continues to be
1: a trend, or do you think these guys are just kind of one-offs? No, I I think that can continue. I mean, you've got someone like Jordan Fuller who can do that. Um, Mm -hmm. Richie Grant, um, who was projected to potentially be either a free safety or a box safety. I mean, in his first game, he played um, 24 snaps in the slot. So if you can get a slot corner at the safety spot, then that's that you've got an opportunity to, to rack up some points with, with that type of, uh, with that type of position. So I think that's going to, a lot of the safeties are definitely, you know, teams are, are going for those multifaceted safeties that can play everywhere that can play a slot that can cover the tight end that can cover the running back. Um, so I think those are going to become more of the, of the norm, I think, uh, going forward. Um, so yeah, I, you know, like said, Richie Grant, Jordan Fuller um Grant Delpit was gonna do that but you know his injuries up in the air so you might see someone now yeah. like John Johnson might now slide into that role um so we'll we'll see what happens
0: yeah I had such high hopes for Grant Delpit I'm I'm, I'm eyeing
1: too. him on all my taxi squads and seeing if I need to put somebody else there <laughs> yeah Grant Delp. yeah it's it's unfortunate but yeah he he re-injured his his same hamstring and that stinks yeah, not a good start. Uh, I won't take up any more of your time, Mike. This was great. Uh, thank you so
0: much. It's it's kind of a nice uh, r- relief. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, not relief, but like a, like a nice <laughs> change of pace. Like a nice change of pace for us. We uh, we we get very much into our our redraft and and uh, best ball modes. And it's nice to talk a little IDP. Everyone be sure to follow Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore Wallert. Go read everything he writes. Use his rankings to dominate your IDP leagues. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Any last thoughts or plugs before we go?
1: No, um, you, you pretty much hit it. Yeah. Check, uh, check everybody out at four for four, every, all of our content writers and, and producers are are fantastic. Um, thank you for, for having me on. Um, I could probably talk for another hour or so, uh, about IDP. So it's nice that you kind of reeled me in, but yeah, check me out. Follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore W O E L L E R T. Always happy to help. Um, uh, updating my three down article, uh, weekly, in season rankings waiver wire all that good stuff i uh i'm there for you and please my word of advice after week 1 if your elite idp only scores 2 points don't drop them <laughs> don't trade them don't drop them for the flavor of the week i waiver wire guy just don't please don't it it, it happens every season mike bobby wagner only got it happens every season. Mike, Bobby <laughs> Wagner only got a tackle. He only dropped your first. Don't drop your guys. It's the same for your offensive guys. If your running back doesn't have a good first week, you're not going to drop Christian McCaffrey. It's the same philosophy with the RIDPs. You're not going to drop Roquan Smith. If he only has a couple of tackles in week one. Excellent. That's excellent. Great advice. Thank you for attending my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll include the, the article, your three down linebacker article. I'll include that link in the show notes. Everybody check that out. Uh, Chris, always a pleasure. Uh, any final thoughts before we go?
2: I would say that uh, other key point uh, to take away like from this conversation is not only is Mike one of the, I guess, like the leading experts when it comes to like IDP, but we we typically take defensive matchups for granted even on the on the redraft portion. I know a lot of folks, like if you see people tweeting about wide receiver cornerback matchups and all that, a lot of people try and throw some of that micro analysis out the window. But if I'm not mistaken, Mike, I'm sure you called a couple of matchups like last season, like some injuries to key defensive players that would be at least openings for offensive players to, to succeed because of the lack of depth at the certain position uh, at the on the defensive side that has opened the door for offensive production due to the, I guess, that lack of depth like for that specific team. So I think that's one thing that like the thing that we can take away are like folks that are more in tune to the offensive side of the ball That's something that you can help take away by understanding how these IDP players, how the defensive players, like what they do, how they win in coverage, and if they happen to miss time, how you can leverage that information for your own team. So that's something that I'm trying to incorporate at least more into into my wheelhouse. So while I might not go full IDP, you at least have to understand that You know all 22 it's it's all 22 for a reason like we don't care about just the 11 guys on the offensive side of the ball Mm -hmm. they're also interacting with the 11 guys on the other side of the ball as well Mm -hmm. mike provides such a great resource and knowledge about that other side that we typically try and i guess forget about once the games start but it is important enough, so I would say definitely follow Mike. Check out all of his work and see how, well, how quickly you can pick up on it, so that you can incorporate it into your own process.
0: I'll echo that uh, at Mike underscore Wollert, uh, W O E L L E R T. Uh, Mike, you're one of the few Twitter follows that's on every list I make because there's because your <laughs> your Twitter account is literally extremely informative, and so you're on the same list with like Adam Schefter for me. <laughs> like I have a I have a oh, list nice. of just that that I follow like just for news. And you're on that list. You're also on like my four for four team list and my good fantasy info list. And uh, so yeah, great follow. I, I I couldn't echo what Chris said more. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at two guys brandon at Chris Allen FFWX. Thanks so
2: much for listening and have a good day.